I'm Barry Worthington. I'm Paul Thorpe. I'm Adam Pendlebury. And I'm Charlie Keegan. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. We went down to Bristol City and we said, if we get a point, it'll be a fantastic point. What a point that was. Bristol City, a place we historically never do well. And we've come away with a one-all. And to be honest with you, regardless of what Nigel Pearson said, I think we was unlucky not to come away with all three points. Point was a fair result for me, I think, overall. They had the better of the first half. And I think we really controlled the second half. Excellent substitutions. And I think that swung the game towards us. I think they tired a little bit in the second half. and We were, we looked very fresh, energetic, and we worked out the best way to play against Bristol. I thought, again, Tom Pearce, I think, made a big difference for us, the quality of delivery that he was putting in. Bristol City are a side, one of the form sides in the division, and to even have an even game against them, I think, is a, a triumph for Sean Maloney, given where we were three games ago. Going into it to get anything, I was going to be happy. I did think that it was going to be Maloney's hardest game yet. I didn't think Blackburn really offered too much. Huddersfield, we played much better, but Bristol, coming into it, I thought they were honestly just a bang average championship side. They were just mid-table. They either You didn't really know what you were going to get. I don't really know how the supporters feel about it, but they could win, lose, draw, any game. They, don't, they didn't really seem to have much consistency, but they have got some top talents, and I think the opening to the game was pretty slow for both sides but their goal was less of a mistake for us but it was more of just a really good build-up play for them and then as the half went on we had obviously Christ TA he hit the crossbar the subs were then made at halftime and I think we played much better in the second half and we could have won that so to get a point where we could have won I was very happy with it I don't think you could really ask, ask for much more yeah, I think mean, you've got to remember that they hit the woodwork twice in the second half and, you know, let's not get carried away. A good point, a solid point, and definitely just consistent building on what we've done so far. You can't really criticise anything Maloney's done thus far, can you? In the first half, we're missing Will Keane for me in the box because we created chances with the ball going into the box, but there was no reaction in the box. There was a couple of times when the ball was just pinging about him with no, nobody going on it. A great substitution at half-time, but why Lang and Keane were... Were they dropped? Were they rested? I mean, that's the thing with a lot of games coming up, isn't there? There's a big game on Saturday as well. I do disagree. I do feel we could have won that game. I think we were the better team. Only just. I think their goal was very fortunate. We switched off. Maloney said we switched off. The players have admitted they switched off. They absolutely switched off. You watch the replay of that back. He was allowed to go was allowed to go centre-half, stood seven yards out on his own. Not knocking on because it, it, it was a great performance thereafter. But, but I thought we responded brilliantly. And just before I pass back over to Adam, that effort of Chris Tihai's, how he altered his body shape there to hit that with his right foot because it was all for the left, weren't it? I mean, for me, that just showed we've got a quality player on our hands. And they were very, very unfortunate. Just building on what you said about the subs coming on and whether they should have started, I was, I think, I was thinking to myself, particularly with the defenders, whether it would be better to start with, in what I believe, and I'm sure Sean Maloney looking at it must be believed now is our best defensive lineup because I think I, I don't really like Noambi on the left hand side, but he looks good going forward on the right. If Noam is not playing on the right, then we could play Dariqua there. But I don't 
in my view, I would not start with both of them. I don't think there's room in our defence for both of them. I don't think we need them. And I think Tom Pierce gives us a lot more balance. And it's great to see that it looks like he's come back from injury and he's really fresh and he could be a big player for us in these remaining games. There were, there were points in the second half where Pierce was playing left wing and James McLean were playing left back. And I don't mean they just crossed over. No, I mean, that is absolutely spot on. I think what Adam's saying is right in that, you know, Maloney's coming. Pierce is obviously a young lad. He won't have seen much of him um, because he's not played much. He's gone with what he sees as his most experienced players. I thought it was interesting how he kind of changed his forward line in the first half yesterday, but kept his defence the same. And then I, th- I think he's kind of settling and finding his best team as opposed to keeping things fresh and moving people around. And I do think you will see Pierce start with on one side and the ambi- uh, Pierce on the left and the Ambi on the right in the not-too-distant future. What you just said there about he's, he's not seen much of Pierce, I mean, none of us have recently, but what is refreshing, Maloney, in his press conferences, the way he talks about the squad, because he mentioned Ashley Fletcher last night saying that he, when he first came in, he didn't, he didn't want a place in his squad, never mind the starting lineup, but yet he started to... You know, put the effort in in training, and he gets a, a you know the the nod for, to start the game. But I think it's just so refreshing now from what we've had over this past past few weeks with nothing coming out of the club. It, everything's open, whether it's it's Sean Maloney, whether it's the new the new guy in the media, or a combination of both. I don't know, but long may it continue. Absolutely, yeah. And just very quickly as well, it seems to me that obviously let's 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 sort of get rid of the Tory era because obviously that you know that that's a bit of an anomaly in our recent times. But if you look at Liam Richardson and Paul Cook, great managers as they are, I think certain players might have felt eventually that they were left out in the cold. Maybe we we had a sort of a let's say a first twenty. And then everybody outside that was was nowhere near the squad. Whereas, you know, you thought when Maloney first came in that Fletcher could have been one of those players. But he's obviously impressed in training. He's come back in and it looks like he'll probably start next week on the basis of that performance, start again. Because he came on the other day and did well. So that surely gives hope for the likes of maybe, you know, Anthony Scully. You know, if he performs well and he can get back into the side and hopefully as well, given the fact that he gave Hughes a chance after we unfortunately lost Kelly, it shows that as a young player as well under Maloney, uh, it doesn't matter if you've been left out for a game. If you perform well, you're back in the team. And I think that's a great philosophy to have because it, it always keeps your squad interested. And I think that's important in training in the matches. Right, let's have some stats from the game. One apiece, a goal apiece is a great stat. Well, it would have been better if we'd have got more goals than them, obviously. But possession, Bristol City 54, we had 46%. Attempts, we had 10 to the 5 on target. We hit the target twice, Bristol City once. Corners, our 11 to the 3. To me, that shows that we dominated in the right areas. Fouls, they committed 8, we committed 12. They picked up two yellows, we picked up three. Attendance of 18,766 with Watmore, Niambe and McLean Boots, which was... Uh, <laughs> he's at it again, isn't he, Jimmy? He likes, he likes the old... Uh, I don't know if you've seen, seen his Instagram post uh, with Tom Pierce where he's saying, obviously referring to Joe Williams, tell your mate to keep his mouth shut, you gobby mate, if he wants to see me afterwards, <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> Did you see his other one that he put up today? 
Well, it turns out it looks like he's actually deleted his account now on Instagram. But the post he put up before he deleted <laughs> it, he put a story up and it said, just an observation, if football introduced the rule like in ice hockey, where if there was an on-field issue, just let two players involved have a 10 to 15 second tear up and then sin bin them, I guarantee there'd be far less handbags. And now he's deleted his account. Probably yeah. somebody in his ear made a Graham Barrow saying, delete, delete your account, get off Instagram. Yeah, I don't think Graham Barrow's probably honest. He's a big Instagram fella, though, is it, Graham Barrow? <laughs> he's more of a TikToker, isn't he? Have you seen, seen his dances? dances? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, Gary Roberts also tweeted about him. He said he, he he's watched a few Wigan games. He said, I don't think I've watched a game where James McLean hasn't had a fuck. Is it not what you want to see? I know sometimes we're thinking, come on, Jimmy, you're going to end up with a red here, but... He wants to win. He wants to play for the club. He's, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He, nobody can accuse James McLean of going hiding. Oh. So by margins, though, Barry, because that whatever it was, ninety fourth minute stupid free kick that he gave away in an attacking area. If they score from that, I don't think we're talking about him in the same way today, are we? No, no, but they didn't score. That's the main <laughs> thing, you know. Let's keep let's keep it light. Let's keep it light. The goals. We mentioned Atkinson though with his uh, with his free header. It's just a, a lapse in concentration. I don't think Sean Maloney was too happy with it. <laughs> Looking at his reaction, but just I think it'll be fair to say that won't happen again. But then our goal by Ashley Fletcher on sixty five minutes. Do you know? I thought it. I thought the keeper had got it. If I'm being honest at first, and it just trickled over the line, didn't it? What a ball from Max Power. Quick thinking, because I think there were. Did we concede a free kick just inside their half and power through to any Ambe who? played it to him, but that was a really deep cross from the right, which we've seen Charlie Hughes do a couple of times. Max Power's been doing it a couple of times this season. I think his first assist for Telawasgard came from a similar sort of position quite a few games ago. No, I think that Fletcher, right place, right time. He was trying to play on that back line, trying to play on the shoulder and drag him out all afternoon. And he just got goal side of George Tanner and right place, right time. But going back to the Bristol City goal, when the ball went down to Mehmeti, I think was the guy who got the assist. Dorico's body was positioned in a way that he was ready to run to the byline should he need to. And Mimetti was just quick at getting it onto his right foot and whipping it in. Maybe Power could have gone in a bit sooner. Maybe Dorico could have closed him down a bit faster. But for me, it was T.A. He, I think, left Atkinson to Watmore. Watmore thought that T.A. He had him. There was not that communication. And you can't do that in a championship. We've said a lot of times this season, you can get away with it in League One potentially. But these are championship sides and it just takes that little one minute of, or one second even of collapsing concentration. And Atkinson was straight in. I thought it was a good goal. But when you look back at it, a bit critical in hindsight, we could have done a lot better with it. I think every goal get, that gets scored, you, you can point to to a moment in the build-up where it could have been stopped. And But it's football and it? these things happen. And I, yeah, I suppose so they'd, be, they'd look at our goal and say, you know, they could have stopped that. Some great performances from the lads last night. Jack Watmore, Charlie Hughes, we've mentioned. It gets solid, solid. Chris Tyhe and Max Power together working in midfield. They're getting a little bit of a uh, understanding going now. James McLean, I thought, was very good again. Uh, Niambi and, and Fletcher. Tom Naylor as well. When he came on, I thought played a really important part in the game, which I'm pleased about because I like Naylor and I think he's a bit unlucky to lose his place. Yeah, I think he's a, a favourite of ours, isn't he, Tom Naylor? Yeah, we always sing in his praises, but he's a good player. He's a, good, he's a proper solid pro, isn't he? I mean, yeah. he's the type of guy you want in your squad. I mean, he's bags of experience and, and, and he'll put his body on his on the line as well. Absolutely. <laughs> The subs, Pierce Keen and Lang all came on at half time for Dorico, Asgard and Sinani. 
and Naylor came off for Fletcher on 79 minutes. I think those three subs at half-time altered the course of the game. It gave us that little bit of spark going forward, didn't it? I think Langer did well when he came on. He was very direct. He had a great chance he was unfortunate with. Keno, quick feet. And Tom Pierce gives us another option going down the left. Yeah, very decisive, very aggressive substitutions, aren't they? And it worked, obviously it's worked. I think Pierce is back, isn't he? I think he's back to his best after having a really tough 18 months with niggly injuries. And I hope, let's hope he can get a good spell in the side now. I think he's going to take that left wing back position at some point. Maybe McLean is going to start needing a bit of rotation now. Once we get Omar Rakik back in the back line, you'll have Watmore, Hughes and Rakik. Maybe Pierce out on the left. Nambi or Dariqua on the right. It'll be good for him to bomb down the left and, and whip them balls in and not have to worry about defending back as much. Well, the man, as voted for by the Progress with Unity listeners on both Facebook and Twitter, Classics number eight, Max Power. Well done, Maxie. Right, a massive game on Saturday once again. So we're thinking of doing Operation Norwich. We're going to be down once again around 1pm down at the Players Car Park to greet the players as they arrive, give them a bit of a buzz and see if we can have the same impact that we had last Saturday. So if you fancy joining us, get yourself down there for 1 o'clock and then come and join us for a pint in the Supporters Club afterwards. It'd be great to see everybody again and see if we can get a few more numbers there. So tell your mates and the rest of your family to get down with you. In the build-up to that particular game... I've had a chat with Pete Rogers, who is a former programme editor for Norwich City. Let's Pete talk and we'll have a listen to what he said. Pleased to say we are joined by Pete Rogers, Norwich City supporter. How are you doing, Pete? Not too bad at all, thank you, Barry. Uh, obviously, we spoke earlier on in the season, didn't we, ahead of your trip down to Carrow Road. And uh, a lot's changed for both clubs since then, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. We've had three managerial changes since since we played you, and you've had a managerial change as well. One behind you on that front. We're only on our second one at the moment. <laughs> but uh, things have certainly changed since that uh, that day back in August when you came to Carrow Road. And got, got to say, looking back on that one, Barry, I thought you were a very good side that day. And I was then subsequently a little surprised to see you languishing and uh, a part of company uh, with the Richardson. That did, that did seem a surprise to the outside world. Surprise one or two of us on the inside as well, if I'm being honest. Such is football. You have to move on and we are where we are at the moment and so are you. You brought in David Wagner. That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, it, it wasn't a huge surprise that Dean Smith went. The, the results just weren't there. The performances weren't there. There was a lot of uh, sort of unrest amongst supporters over, you know, over the way we were playing, the results we were getting. It, it was a bit of a surprise really in that you know, Dean Smith looked a good appointment when he came in, did an extremely good job at Walsall, subsequently at Brentford and then at Aston Villa. He was, you know, I think most people thought a little unlucky to, to lose the Villa Park gig. So he, he looked a good match for Norwich when he came in, but for whatever reason, Barry, it just didn't work out with him. You know, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to be the right man at the right club at the right time and it, it just didn't fit. David Wagner's come in. He obviously previously worked for our sporting director, Stuart Weber, when they were both at Huddersfield. So there was a, there's an existing relationship there. And he's done, you know, reasonably well so far. We, we started off with a, an FA Cup exit at home to Blackburn Rovers, which was a little disappointing. There was, there was an upturn in performance that day, although we didn't get the results. And then we had sort of two extremely good results away from home. 4-0 at Preston, 4-2 at Coventry. And everyone was sort of really up for the arrival of top of the table Burnley thinking we could give them a really good sort of run for their money at Carrow Road and uh, we were beaten 3-0 so uh, he came down to a bit of, to, to earth with a bit of a bump on that occasion we then travelled to, to Bristol City last Saturday and we travelled there but didn't really turn up if you know what I mean we, we didn't do too much at all lost a fairly bang average typical 
mid-table championship clash 1-0 and then uh, and then beat Hull City uh, last night 3-1 at home which was uh, a much improved performance Yeah that's a good result as well because Hull are, are in form and they've shot up the table so you must have been pleased with that result Very much so I mean I think the icing on the cake is as strange as it sounds that we actually fell behind and came back to win you know the team haven't really shown a great deal of character recently to be able to sort of react positively to go behind when we go behind we normally end up losing so it was quite refreshing to see that they can fall a goal behind and find it within themselves to, to turn things around and get three points. Uh, Hull weren't uh, at their best, I think it's fair to say. I think their manager, Liam Rossini, acknowledged afterwards that was probably the, the poorest they've played since he's been there. Uh, he, he was a bit disappointed with their performance, but you know, still you, you can only beat what's in front of you and that did actually give us our first home win since, uh, since the end of October when we beat Stoke. So it's been uh, almost four months waiting for a home win, which for Norwich fans in the Championship is a is a fair weight it has to be said it seems like you're a bit of an away team this season then that's right yeah I mean I think there's been pr- pressure at home the, because we've won the, the, the championship title the last two seasons we've been at this level there is a bit of an expectancy and an unfair one maybe on the players a little bit from the crowd that we're just going to roll everyone over at home it just doesn't happen that way you have to sort of win the win the right to get the win don't you and it hasn't happened at home whether we're away from home because there's not many supporters there and you're not under that level of pressure they're able to perform better I don't know but certainly the two league away games under they like the first two at uh, Preston 4-0 we were very quick out the block getting at, at Coventry we were three up inside for the 25 minutes three two at half time mind you but we managed to get the, the next goal the all important one to start the second half to, to win 4-2 but uh, I think these fast starts away from home have been the sort of key to, to getting the results on the road. Yeah, I'm just looking at your your away form. It's from the 15 games you've played, you've won seven and lost six, so you've only drawn two. So it's either a win or a lose. It's looking like, which you know, it's a bit bit Blackburn esque, may I say? Yes, yeah, maybe on the away on, on the on the away form. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of uh, been far too many draws at home, unfortunately. You agree with yourselves earlier on in the season, as you're, you're all too well aware. And there's been a lot of games. I mean, uh, Reading with a draw when we're in front, goal with the QPR. There's been several games at home that have been quite frustrating watches. I mean, there was, there was a, a game we had against West Brom earlier on in the season. If I'm honest with you, Barry, it's uh, totally unwatchable. It was it finished 1-1. It was an absolutely atrocious game. But it's picked up in, in recent weeks. Good performance in midweek. Uh, and uh, that tees things up obviously nicely for our, our trip to the, the DW on Saturday. It does indeed. And, and before we get to a prediction for that game, I just wanted to spend a, a minute talking about a player who won't be playing, Daniel Sinane. We brought him in on loan. Uh, how, how's he been for Norwich? Well, I mean, he uh, obviously, obviously can't be involved in the club. But, uh, I mean, we really, he, he's been on the books at Norwich for a few seasons now, but we've not really seen a huge amount of him. He's brought in and loaned out a couple of times uh, uh, to other other clubs on the continent and then more recently to Huddersfield Town you know Carlos Corberan certainly did get a tune out of him last season at uh, Huddersfield as they got the, the, the playoff final but uh, we've not really seen that job in the at Norwich if I'm honest with you he featured in the first half of this season on the periphery of things often a substitute coming on here and there I don't think he ever well, he start games but every time he started I think he ended up getting hooked a difficult one to, to tell is he a is he a wide player is he a forward is he a number 10 it's, it's a little bit tricky to decide exactly what he is I mean we're led to believe he's a goal scorer and uh, he certainly seems to have knocked him in for the Luxembourg international level but uh, he, 
he never really has looked as if he's going to be the man to the world of Isaac Carroll Road on the goals front. I think that has to be said. Well, hopefully you can turn it on for us in the remaining games after Saturday. So talking of Saturday, what's your prediction? Well, obviously things look to have uh, you know, picked up for yourselves as well recently. A really good, gritty, nil-nil performance away to Blackbird. So the manager's first game in charge, he must have been pleased with that. And then, of course, you had a, a monumental six-point with the arrival of, 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 of Huddersfield, didn't you, recently? And he managed to get the, uh, the all-important goal in that one. So... I'm sure you're going to be going into this game with a fair bit of confidence despite your league position. I think it will just go drastically one way or the other. I see Wigan winning it 1-0 or Norwich winning it 3-0. <laughs> I don't think it'll be a draw. I think we'll either be fast out the block and good or we'll return to another 1-0 defeat like we did at Bristol City. Sadly apart, we, we wish you well for the rest of the season and you know, we hope that the season army scores the goals and keeps you up. Thank you very much for that. So do we. Thanks ever so much, Barry. Bye. That was a good listen from Pete on um, on what he had to say about Norwich. But they're a team that really surprise me sometimes because, yes, they've been in the Premier League and they've had a lot of experience, but they're also a side that when they drop down to the Championship, they have such high expectations of where they need to be that they're not afraid to kind of pull the trigger. And obviously they had Dean Smith at the start of the season. I thought they started the season really well. They got 24 points from 45 on offer in their opening 15 games, which included a six-game winning streak within a nine-game unbeaten streak. But they lost 3-2 to Preston North End which ended that nine game unbeaten streak and they just picked up 11 points from a possible 27 which then ended up sacking Dean Smith because it seemed like a lot of the fans and the atmosphere started to turn against him and I spoke to a Norwich City fan and he was saying that the game was just a little bit boring a little bit predictable so then they ended up getting rid of him and they brought in David Wagner who's come in and got three wins and losses in his first five games Started with a 4-0 win over Preston and then he and then he got a 4-2 win over Coventry City as well. So over the last six games, the three wins and three losses, so a little bit inconsistent, but they've scored 11, conceded eight, and they've only kept one clean sheet. So they're who to watch players. The first one that I've got is Timu Puki. He's 32 years old from Finland, played 29 games this season, and he's got 10 goals and seven assists. And they got him on a free transfer from Brondby back in July 2018. So he's two games now off 200 for Norwich, and, and obviously he's going to get there really soon, but 88 eight goals and 29 assists. He's definitely a massive threat that, that Norwich have. The second one is somebody who's 10 years younger than him. It's Josh Sargent. He's 22 years old. He's American and is a centre forward. Played in the World Cup, played against England and against Wales and Iran, I believe it was. 29 games this season, 11 goals. So he's their top scorer with two assists. Then you have Kieran Dowell, who we all know, former Wigan Athletic player, former Wigan Athletic midfielder, hat-trick against Hull in that 8-0 win. But he's 25, centre-attacking midfielder, born in Ormskirk, 21 games this season, five goals and three assists, and they got him from Everton. They're definitely going to be a big threat coming to the DW. The referee will be Jeff Eltringham from County Durham. He's a 42-year-old who's been on the national list of referees since the 2009-10 season and he is well known to the Latics having taken charge of us on 15 occasions. The last one was a 4-1 hammering by Hull at the DWU Stadium back in January. The card watch so far this season for Jeff Eltringham. He's taken charge of 17 games. Six of those have been in the Championship. He's issued 61 yellows, three red and beware Tom Nail he's awarded six penalties. That's Jeff Eltringham, who will be your referee for the visit to Norwich on Saturday. 
We have met Norwich 16 times, three wins, six draws, seven defeats. The first meeting was a very famous 1-0 win at Springfield Park uh, on our way to our first ever FA Cup quarter-final, 31st of January 87. Our first and whole only home win in the league was a Premier League win on the 30th of March 2013. Sean Maloney played in that particular game. My personal favourite home game against uh, Norwich, we did a pre-match meal. It was an early kick-off, bacon sandwiches. We uh, took the lead, Reese James penalty, Puki equalised for Norwich and then a very partially disallowed offside goal when I actually got Michael Jacobs in a headlock celebrating that particular goal. Jacobs, you could see how much it meant to him as he was also celebrating and then we looked at the linesman and thought, made a bit of an idiot of myself here, haven't I? So that was my favourite one, even though uh, it wasn't a win. I'm going to say that scoreline, we should have had the the last time we played them when we had that uh, bacon butter. We should have won that game 2-1 and I think that's how this is going to finish. I can see us winning 2-1. I read a match match review on when Hull City lost 3-1 to Norwich most recently. Hull went ahead, I think, after 14 minutes and then it took four minutes for Norwich to equalise it in the second half. Jack from the 10-Foot Tigers blog said that they were pinging it around like they were in training and created so many opportunities which stopped them. So if they can do that to Hull, I'm a little bit worried about what they can do to us if we allow them to. But that being said, I'm not going to be pessimistic. I'm not going to give us a loss. I'm still going to say that we're going to win and I reckon that we're going to storm it with a 3-1 win and Talo Asgard is going to be the player of the match. Well, my favourite Norwich at the DW memory was was one of the comical memories during one of the dark times when we had Malky Mackay as manager. We lost the game, but if you remember, Norwich had a free kick in front of the away end and Kyle Lafferty managed to put it in the East stand. It was that bad. Yeah, I, th- I think it's um, Norwich has been one of the toughest games that I've actually watched us play this season. Appreciate that was early on and things have changed a bit for both teams. I'm, I'm going to stay positive and say that we will creep to one. For realism, go to my Facebook account for my prediction. But for my um, superstitious nature, what I've been doing recently on the Predictor League is going for Wigan defeats. So I'll continue to do that. Norwich are miles better than us. And I think that they might beat us 50 now. What have you put on your Facebook? Draw. So we'll be down at that ground early on Saturday. Come and join us. Let's give them lads a little bit of encouragement as they arrive. One o'clock. We'll be back on Sunday, hopefully. Still bouncing with enthusiasm after a good performance and hopefully three points. So until then, up the ticks and come on. Come on, up, up the, the ticks. Show,